sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Welcome back to Cover It with Teddy Covers. And we got our number two locked and loaded. We're going to talk college hoops, conference tournament betting with Marco D'Angelo. I've got some thoughts that I'll give you in just a moment. But first, we have to put the recap on what we, what I shouldn't say we, it's the royal we. It was me last week on this show. I was bitching and moaning and complaining about the deal that the Las Vegas Golden Knights had signed with a Mexico-based tout service. I wasn't the only one who thought that it was a bad look and a bad optic that a service that sells sports betting picks to get involved with an NHL franchise. I thought there's got to be a layer between them. You don't want pick sellers with banners. You don't want pick sellers uh, with... (laughs) signage in the stadium, you don't, I don't want pick selling TV ads, you know, it's just, there should be some level of separation. And I guess it took a couple of days for the Golden Knights to figure that out. But apparently in the 24 hours after the deal was announced, it got called off. (laughs) So, So, At least they listened. And we got to give teams credit for that. This gambling space is new for so many different people, organizations, franchises. The guys in the front office don't know. You know, that's not what they do day to day. So it would help them to vet some of the ideas through some industry insiders with the, the occurrence of the Vegas Golden Knights and the deal they signed it looked like they didn't bet it with anyone. And again, it was one of those stories where you couldn't figure out how they got the meeting. It's not easy to get meetings <laughs> with NHL GMs and NHL owners. And that meeting, that agreement came from the top or close to it. So somehow somebody figured out a way to get a meeting. And that, I'm not going to say dicey, but I'll say this. I'm glad that the service, the sports service, and the NHL franchise decided not to partner together. It was a pretty ugly look. Let's talk about conference tournaments in college. Now, March Madness has become synonymous with the big dance. But I'm telling you, when you compare the next eight days or the next nine days, between now and Selection Sunday, to the entire NCAA tournament, there's more bettable games on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of next week in college basketball. Meaningful games. Okay, many of them in conferences where if you don't win your conference tournament, you don't get to go to the big dance. (laughs) You know, so we're talking about meaningful games. More of them in one day, next Wednesday, in one day, next Thursday. I think Friday, Friday by, by Friday, there may not be quite as many. But Wednesday and Thursday, for, for sure, there will be as many more games played, meaningful basketball games in college hoops, 
than in the entire NCAA tournament. They're all on TV. Okay, they're on all every different network, and what you don't see on TV, you can find online. So it's not like you can't find these games. They're not hyped up. They just don't have the marketing behind them as the big dance. But conference tournaments, make no mistake about it. I'll call it a wise guy party. <laughs> okay, the sharp money goes nuts over the course of the next eight or nine days during these conference tournaments. And there are certain things they tend to look for. I tease it in hour number one. If you're trying to beat conference tournaments using statistical profiles, good luck. Maybe it's doable. I'm not convinced that it is. I haven't found a way to do it. What I have found a way to do <laughs> is beat conference tournaments looking for these two things. One, in the major conferences where teams have already secured their bids, Man, there's lots of top seeds who don't want to go balls to the wall and play three days and three three games and three days and four games and four days, whatever it takes to win a conference tourney. And there's lots of false favorites among the top seeds in the major conferences, the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, et cetera, et cetera. It is not unusual at all in the major conferences to see your five seed win it all, your eight seed win it all, your three seed win it all. I'm not a big fan of laying the price with the top seeds in major conferences. There's lots of false favorites, and that's something I look for. Another thing I look for is teams that have talent, and yet th they fell apart down the stretch of the regular season. You know, it happens every year in college hoops. Whatever, hey, there's nothing to play for in February. A team <laughs> gives up. They know their only way in is to win three games in three days or four days in four days in March. And you see straight up and points red collapses down the stretch. As long as those teams have talent, if they win one game, the momentum is real. And you can ride those teams two, three, four days in a row and make a whole lot of money. So the false favorites at the top of the seeding and the teams that had bad Februaries but have the capacity and the talent level to win games, that's definitely two things I look for. Conference tournament time as opposed to the big dance where every matchup has its own unique nuances. When we come back, Marco D'Angelo is going to tell me what I'm wrong about. And I'm sure he'll tell me something. Stay tuned. Covering continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Teddy Covers here on Cover It. And I'm joined now by Marco D'Angelo at Marco in Vegas on Twitter. And I like fellow Vegas guys <laughs> that I get to talk to and break down the world of college basketball tournaments. Marco, welcome to the program. Hey, Teddy, thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you. I love uh, getting into discussions with you, my friend. Yeah, sure. We're going to have fun uh, over the course of hour number two here with Marco. 
Let me start with this. I like to give everyone a minute at the beginning to explain why anyone out there in the listener land should give two hoots about what they have to say. <laughs> you know, what's your superhero origin story? I know that you had a horse racing background, and I know that you had a sports service as in like the early 90s. You were already established when I first moved out here. Tell me the uh, your superhero origin story. Well, Teddy, you only missed by a decade. I actually started in 1980, uh, the sports service, and uh, it's one of those things that, you know, being from uh, western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, uh, I think that's the degenerate capital of the world because if you look around here in Vegas, especially on the uh, sportsbook manager side of things, there's a lot of people uh, in the industry uh, that came from uh, my background, my hometown, you know, Pittsburgh and so forth, and across the border to Ohio, Youngstown's a, a hotbed of gambling as well. But, yeah, I was Italian family, card games, Poker, sports, you name it, we bet on it, and it was in my blood and uh, made the move to Vegas uh, in 2008 and haven't looked back. So uh, talk about that, because I know there's so many people out there that bet recreationally, bet recreationally, and they're like, I'd love to move to Vegas. How do I get to move to Vegas? You're a guy that actually did it. You know, you up and sold everything back home and said, I'm, I'm, I'm making, the, uh, making the move and, and going to do it big time. Why and how? Well, a couple couple reasons is uh, said the is the sports industry continued to grow, and we started to see that we were going to get closer and closer to uh, betting uh, across the country. Vegas was the place to be. I mean, um, it was one of those situations where I came here, uh, was working with a different site. Uh, didn't like that so much. I had my own views because I had done things my own way for so long. We came to Vegas and started uh, Wager Talk and, uh, you know, just surrounded myself with a lot of good people like yourself that uh, have been established and do things the right way. And to be honest with you, Teddy, since I've come out here and that, you know, everybody uses the word networking, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people say they have a network, but all the guys that I talk to, you learn something different from everybody else. Uh, it, it's just like poker. You know, you keep evolving your game uh, because if you don't, it's going to pass you by. And uh, being able to have uh, a lot of think sessions, shows that we do together, we all look at things differently. Um, but we a lot of times arrive to the same conclusion. I'm what is known more as a situational handicapper. I use stats and everything like everybody else. But, Teddy, as I've always said, stats don't live and breathe, okay? The people that play the games that create the stats are human beings, and they have normal highs and lows, and I like to incorporate that in the way I handicap. And, uh, you know, coming to Vegas, I, I get a more hands-on sense, uh, understanding public money, wise guy money, you know, moves, fake moves, you know, that happen with uh, guys. The game, you know, evolves. In the early days, perfect example of it is you would see a line move on a game a point, point and a half, and then everybody jumps on it, uh, what is called steam chasers. And really, it was syndicates setting up a side. They really like the other side, but they bet the game early in the week when they're smaller uh max bets that can move a line and then you get the steam chasers pushing that line even more and then later in the week when the uh, limits are raised 
you see the outfits come back and take the side they really wanted at a better number. Those are all things that, you know, we learn and in, in, in add to our arsenal. Sure. And that's, I mean, uh, the advantages for me moving to Vegas, if I'm going to list them as a sports better, number one is your network. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Because it's different if you come out here for a week or you visit, you might know some guys. But when you live out here and you work with people and you see people in the sports books over and over again, and you talk to sports book directors, you just get a better sense of how the market actually works. And when it comes to college basketball, because I'm going to keep our uh, attention focused on college basketball today, because we have these conference tournaments, what is it about these conference tournaments? And what is it about the college basketball world here in 2021? that makes it unique or different compared to previous seasons? And what about conference tournaments do you see that's unique or different compared to the regular season? Well, let's start with the, you know, the big elephant. Yeah, that's a room. long question. That's a, that's a miserable question. <laughs> yeah, you, you went a couple different, <laughs> different directions. Uh, you should have just added uh, what's the meaning of life on the end of it, too, and uh, filled the whole hour. But, uh, Teddy, this has been a different year because of the COVID situation. Um, we've never had the regular season have teams play back-to-back nights. You know, they play back-to-back nights when we get to conference tournament play, and we'll talk about that in a second. But during the regular season, it presented a lot of unique situations. Um, And for me, being a situational handicapper, I really benefited this year from that. When you had the same two teams playing either back-to-back nights or playing over a three-day period. They'd play one day, have a day off, and play at the same site, uh, you know, a day later. It created situations where, okay, maybe the favorite didn't take the underdog serious in the first game, and we get a situation where they either got upset or it was a close game, they barely got by. Well, then in the next game, it's, you know, uh, they come focused and ready to play, and you get a good situation uh, backing that favorite where the line is adjusted from the first meeting because they said, oh, well, they just played last night. It was a three-point game. They were laying seven. Now they're laying, you know, six and a half or six or five and a half. I'll come in and look at the value there and take a team like that. Uh, Or if a team pulls an upset, It's not often you're going to pull an upset on the road in back-to-back games. So it created something we didn't have before. But as we move to the conference tournaments, what I like about conference tournament play, and that's probably my favorite week, Teddy, um, everybody talks about the big dance. And, yes, the the big dance is, you know, where all the money is wagered uh, for the month of March. But the conference tournaments give you situations that you don't normally have. As I said, teams that will play back-to-back days. You also have situations where you get to look at the two previous meetings. And, you know, I won't blindly take a team because they lost both regular season meetings and throw the old, oh, it can't beat a team three times in one year. Yes, you can. The numbers have shown that. But there are situations where if you look where I can find a good situation where maybe a favorite – just got by a team by a few points in those two meetings. But if you go back and look at the schedule and do the who, what, and where when they played the first time, maybe they were coming off a big game. 
maybe against the top 10 opponent, and they took that team to the limit and maybe just missed, and they had that hangover effect in the next game. I love to look and see what the first meeting scores were, but look at who the teams played the game before and the game after when they played. Because a lot of times it might tell you what happened, why a team performed poorly or not. To me, going back and looking at the, the logs of the team's schedule and what the results were is the equivalent, throwing my horse racing background in there, to reading the daily racing form and trying to see horses coming in and out of uh, good form cycles. You do the same with finding teams coming out of, in and out of good form cycles during the season. We'll have more with Marco D'Angelo after the break. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. To cover it with Teddy Covers. I'm talking with Marco D'Angelo, and we're talking college hoops, conference tournaments. Marco, let's start with basic strategy for conference tournaments. Do you have a basic strategy? Is this a blackjack scenario where we can kind of quantify some things we're looking for? I talked earlier in the show talking about two things that I try to focus on for these conference tournaments. The first is in the major conferences where the top seeds just don't care about playing three days and three days or four days and four days. They're focused on bigger goals the following weekend. And those are teams I look to fade top seeds from major conferences. On the other side of the equation, I'm also looking to bet on teams that have talent but might have checked out at some point in the month of February. You know, they know, hey, the only way we're getting the dance is if we put together a run in March. We're capable of doing that, but no momentum, no point spread success, and you find the market sleeping on teams like that, and yet they may well offer value moving forward. First, do you agree with those two assessments for basic strategy? And second, what else, what do you look for? Well, I agree 100% on the first one. That is a huge one, and Teddy, you know me being uh, from Pittsburgh, my favorite time was the Big East Conference Tournament. And I'm going back, you know, the glory days when Pitt was in there, everybody else. That conference tournament was an absolute war. And you saw it year in and year out that those teams that got to the championship game that played three straight or four straight games, and they won the Big East Tournament, but then they got into the big dance, and they were wore out. They beat themselves up. And we saw the changing of the guard over the last 10 years with teams, the top teams, like you say, doing that, uh, realizing, hey, why burn yourself out in the conference tournament? Uh, we're in. We know we're in the big dance. Uh, unless we're on the fringe of being a number one seed, there's no reason to go to the max and, and leave it all in, on the table in the conference tournament. That doesn't do you anything. So I agree with that point 100%. 
one of the other things that I like to look at in the conference tournament play is a lot of these conferences have teams, they get their buys in the first round. So often you will see uh, the public blindly bet against a team that played the day before because they say, oh, well, they played the day before while the other team was sitting around and was rested. Um, This is an easy play. I'm taking the favorite. I have seen too often the underdog get that game, get the money. And the reason for that, Teddy, is simple. they got a game under their belt. If there is any nerves or butterflies starting the conference tournament, they got it out of the way. One of the things that I really like in conference tournament play is if that team played a tight game where they only won by a couple points, but they advanced and moved on. And then the public perception is, oh, they were lucky to get by. Now they're playing a better team with rest. This is going to be easy. Let me run down to the window and slap it on the favorite. The reason I like that is because, they like I said, the butterflies are gone. But if this game goes to a tight game late in the game, they've already experienced that. They have the experience and the pressure situation of every shot in the final two minutes being important. And I think it's a huge advantage of going in. Plus, a lot of times these tournaments are held at venues that they don't play at during the regular season. So the sight lines are different and all of that. You can get these teams come out in the first half and play well because they are adjusted. You can look at first half wagers with some of these teams as live dog plays. Those are things I like to look at, but I also like to look at defensive teams because it doesn't matter if you're on the road or at home or at a neutral site. Defense always travels well and can keep you in ball games. Uh, and one of my favorite adages in every sport is if I can get the better defensive team getting points, I'm always going to start my handicap looking there and then move forward. And so in conference tournaments, that same basic adage, we talk about it when it comes to the NFL postseason. We talk about it in the college football postseason. You want a team that can get a stop. It's the same story in conference tournaments. Um, and would you, if you have a choice between a team that can light it up and a team that can get stops, you're always going to take the team that can get stops. I'm going to look for them to stay because generally, Teddy, you know, the public loves the favorites. And if it's a team that's a high scoring team, they love them even more. And you're going to get value on that. And you're looking to play against the big name teams because there is that bias built in. The one thing we did see this year, Teddy, and I don't know if you've talked about it at all, but the blue bloods of college basketball this year basically were horrible. You know, and I'm talking about the Dukes. I'm talking about the Michigan States. Um, Kansas has come on in the latter part of the season, but for most part, this was not you know stellar Kansas. Uh, Kentucky way down, and that to me is all about the COVID situation because these are teams that every year. We talk about they don't re, you know, they just reload. You know, they don't have rebuilding years because all of the players they get are blue chippers that come in for one and done. They didn't get that 
early season of having all those cakewalk cupcake games to get the chemistry down, I feel, and I think that's the main reason you saw all of these blue bloods. If all you did was bet against the, the blue blood names, uh, the pedigree in college basketball this year, you would have made a lot of money. Now, the difference to follow a team going into the tournament is if you find a team that started slow and has built the, the momentum and going well late, that is a team you want to look at. And there are several teams like that. One of the teams in the conference, uh, the AAC, Memphis, when they came back from their uh, COVID break, I think they missed like three weeks, this team, they lost the first game, I think it was by a bucket, and then after that, they rolled off nine of their next ten games in blowout fashion. Oregon's another team that lost some games early on. They're playing the best ball right now in the Pac-12, and those are teams you want to isolate and ride that got good at the end of the season because people still in their mind remember what they saw at the beginning of the year, and you've got yeah, value so- with those teams. So uh, before we get into this, again, we'll go conference by conference right here, but I want to ask, you brought up one point that I thought was worthy of further discussion. You brought a bunch of points that were worthy of further discussion, but one that I wanted to bring up here about the venues that these conference tournaments are playing in. Are there nuances with the venues that we're missing or that people out there might not know? Are there any, you know, you talk about bad sight lines. Is that universal? Is that... You know, just for the Atlantic 10 conference, what do you do when it comes to your knowledge of the venues that these games are being played in during conference tournament week? Well, obviously, you have to look at the venues of where they're at. And if it is a venue that they've played, if it's one of the team's, you know, home courts here in Vegas, the Mountain West Conference is always played at the Thomas and Mac Arena. Well, that's the home floor for UNLV. So, automatically people would say, well, that's a big advantage for UNLV. We've seen over the years it hasn't been. And, well, one of the reasons is UNLV's, you know, been down from the glory years, obviously. But the other teams coming in here, they play there every year. So it's not a situation where they're coming into a brand-new arena that they don't normally play. You'll see more of that is an issue, Teddy, when we get to the big dance. And you do have larger venues where a lot of these games are played instead of a you know, uh, site on campus, you're going to maybe where an NBA team plays. Or, you know, is the case that, you know, there's going to be games at Lucas uh, Oil Stadium. That's going to be a football field. That's a totally different sight line. And then there's different ways to attack that. Um, and one of the most ones where I use every year I like to look at is unders in the first half of the first-round games because those teams haven't played there. The sight lines are different. The teams, you know, come out, you know, and it's like a heavyweight fight. You're filling each other out. You generally have a, lo- a slow start to a game. Now, I would do that on every first round throughout the tournament, the big dance, you're not going to be able to do that this year because the teams are all going to be in Indianapolis. Um, There's going to be four different venues. Two of the venues are large venues. Two of them would be normal-sized venues. Uh, But you've got to look and see and watch your schedule and see where everything's at. When two teams are playing at one of the bigger ones for the first time, then I would still apply my angle of looking for unders early. 
So, uh, Marco, we got literally 30 seconds for the break. I just want to ask you, when we talk about these teams, your Michigan States and your Dukes and your North Carolinas uh, and your Blue Bloods in college hoops, might they be bet on teams for the conference tournament as a group because it matters? You got literally like 20 seconds to answer, so answer fast. Absolutely, Teddy. They know that that is their only ticket in. They need to run. So, yes, and especially if you can get them as a dog. Uh, I would be careful laying points with them because they are going to be overrated. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that at all. And, in fact, I might be looking to bet on the Dukes and the Michigan States uh, and, I mean, (laughs) the rest of the Blue Bloods in college hoops who have crashed and burned for extended stretches this season. There might be more than one of those teams that is a bet-on team worth riding this coming week. If not, maybe we'll get a chance to watch Duke and Michigan State in the play-in game. That would be a whole lot of fun as well. More with Marco D'Angelo. We're going to break down six or seven conferences, as many as we can. Cover it. Continue. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. To cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. I'm continuing my discussion with Marco D'Angelo. And Marco, I sent you notes, and we don't need all the notes. <laughs> We're not going to get into contrarian strategies. We're not going to get into some of the play-in games. We're not even going to get to talk big dance. What I do want to talk about is these conference tournaments. And let's go through them one by one. Let's talk favorites. Do we believe in them or not? Let's talk sleepers and or live long shots. Let's talk about some bet against teams, some bet ons, any nuances with the venue, some overs, some unders, whatever you got. And let's start with the uh, you know the big five. Let's start with the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference Tournament, where we have Florida State as a regular season champ, Virginia and Virginia Tech, the next two seeds. Well, I will say this. I like Florida State a lot. They're a very athletic team. But the fact that they did win the ACC, um, this is a spot where, you know, I think that this is a team that I would bet against at a point here. Uh, Maybe the first round they get through, but I don't see them going the whole way through uh, the ACC uh, conference tournament. Obviously, I like defensive teams. That's going to put me, you know, Virginia. But they're a team that doesn't need to win this either. Where my sleeper long shots are is look at teams like Virginia Tech and Louisville. I think these teams, uh, in the right spots as underdogs, are live plays in these games, especially if they hook up against the two teams I just mentioned because they don't need to win. Uh, I like those in the ACC as my long shot sleepers, Louisville and Virginia Tech. And if you're talking about teams that are playing their best basketball of the season right now, teams whose statistical profiles, again, the statistical profiles are what set the point spreads, all right? And the markets adjust off of the stats. But two teams whose season long statistical profiles are not in sync with their current level of performance. 
NC State's playing their best ball of the year right now. Georgia Tech playing their best ball of the year right now as well. And North Carolina, they certainly have the talent to make a deep run. I think this might be the year. The joke used to be that Roy Williams is at tea time on Saturday and had no interest in the <laughs> ACC tournament. I'm not convinced that this is a one of those years. Let's talk SEC, where Alabama's had one heck of a season uh, and has made a whole lot of noise in a conference that's usually dominated by Kentucky, and yet I'm going to look at the Wildcats as a sub-500 team. Can they make some noise? Can an Auburn make some noise in the SEC tournament? Can South Carolina, who's pulled off some upsets this year but have had a miserable year, can they do anything? What do we expect? Sleepers, long shots, favorites, SEC. Well, again, Alabama is the team to beat in here. One of those teams that I'm not sure uh, really wants to win this tournament, uh, get themselves into the big dance and concentrate there rather than uh, you know burning yourself out in this because it's going to be a war. I think the team that's going to get overbet and might be your play against team is the public is going to bet Kentucky. They're just not going to believe that you know you can't have an NC. Double A tournament without you know the Dukes and the Kentuckys in it, and they're going to ride them. And I just this Kentucky team is just not good. Uh, I will look for a spot to try to fade them. The sleeper I have there, and you could go uh, five different directions. And you you know Auburn's definitely one of the teams that has the talent that can win here. But the team that intrigues me is Tennessee. At times, they look like a top-10 team, and at other times, they look like they don't belong. Uh, They've had some bad performances. But when they are on, this team can play with anybody in the SEC, and I think they could make a deep run in in this tournament, Uh, and that would be a team I would look at as a bet-on team in the Southeastern Conference. I'm with you on Tennessee and having the potential to cut down the Nets Florida, Missouri, two other teams that, again, when you're talking about middle-of-the-pack squads, all it takes is, you know, they, they, they if they can pull off an upset and go on a run, uh, you can cash two, three, four tickets sometimes riding the same team. The best conference in college hoops this year was clearly the Big Ten. I don't think it was close. Um, it was an impressive conference, which means we're going to have one heck of a conference tournament. What do you see out of the Big Ten tourney coming up this week? Well, Michigan is a legitimate Final Four team. Um, They have done everything right. And the best thing that happened to them, in my opinion, Teddy, was that game that they just got absolutely embarrassed uh, two games back. They rebounded with a big win over their rival, Michigan State. After that, this is a team that needed that uh, to get refocused. But I look at the Big Ten right now, and you talk about how deep it is, and the Big Ten is generally a more physical conference. Be careful with the teams that fight their way through this tournament because this is the the Big Ten right now is the old Big East, okay, as far as what we talked about where teams could just battle themselves out and then be flat moving into the big dance. I do like Michigan. I can give you... Three other teams 
four teams, <laughs> really five teams that have a shot of winning this. Um, Iowa, when they're playing their best basketball, is as good as anybody. Illinois has shown, um, especially the game that they drilled Michigan, uh, Ohio State's been consistent all year. And let's not forget Wisconsin. They can frustrate you with that defense. This is going to be a very entertaining conference. I would look at grabbing points in these games uh, because they are going to be physical and right down to the wire. I don't want to be laying a lot of points with teams in this tournament. And it's funny you talk about Wisconsin as a bet on. I'm looking at Wisconsin as a bet against team. I think they're, what they did over the first half of the campaign versus over the back half of the campaign, night and day different. The Badgers, I made money fading them down the stretch and I will look to bet against them in the conference tournament. Anytime they face a team with any athleticism, the Badgers get overwhelmed. Minnesota, too, looks to me like a one-and-done type of team coming out of the Big Ten. Let's talk Big 12, a team that's had a whole bunch of top 25 talent all year, and then a whole bunch of teams that, if they're not bottom feeders, they're pretty darn close. What do you make out of the logjam with Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma all in the top 20, and then TCU, K-State, and Iowa State just getting beat up by the other teams all year long. Absolutely. This is a conference that, you know, it's Baylor's to lose. I mean, and I'm going to be honest with you, I am very high on the Baylor team, as most people are. Uh, They've been, you know, a top five team all year. They had the unfortunate situation with the COVID. They missed a lot of games. In reality, Teddy, I think in the end that's going to be a blessing for them. Um, they got back on schedule. They've got they've had four games under their belt since then, and that little break they're going to have fresh legs. You know, moving into the tournament. So you know, maybe normally you would say, hey. This is a team that, you know, don't worry about them in the Big 12 uh, conference tournament. That's still there because I will point out they finally dethroned, you know, Kansas. You know, the Big 12 has been Kansas's conference forever. They finally won that. So maybe winning the Big 12 conference tournament is not as big of a deal to them. They know they're going to get their seeding where they're at. But, uh, if you look at other teams in here, my sleep, not really a sleeper because all those teams you mentioned legitimately can win this. But I like West Virginia. And I think West Virginia, they play good defense. Huggins has this team always prepared. But I go to the regular season and I say it's such a disadvantage for West Virginia when they're on the road. Now, granted, when they play at home, it's a huge advantage because of where they're at. Geographically, they're not a Big 12 team. And teams got to make that trip to go you know, play them. And the Big 12 was not one of those conferences where you played two games in a row. You know, so teams were coming in from there and going somewhere else. Um, but for West Virginia, it's the same thing. Their travel schedule was tough. And I think once they get put on one venue and they're going to be at the same place, I think it becomes an advantage for them uh, that they are road-tested in a stronger team for it. And I like West Virginia, especially any time that you could pick up West Virginia getting points. goes back to my thing about taking good defensive teams. Uh, and West Virginia can score uh, with the basketball as well. That is my sleeper out of the Big 12. And I'll tell you, the Big 12, I wouldn't be shocked if Lon Kruger's team won it. Uh, out of Oklahoma, I wouldn't be shocked 
if Cade Cunningham, if he's healthy, uh, you know, when you talk about NBA talent making runs in tournaments, Oklahoma State looks to be live, and Kansas may well be a team to pay attention to with the Big 12 tournament as well. That's, in my mind, one of the hardest ones to predict. Uh, let's continue our tour of the major conferences or conclude our tour of the major conferences. And I say this one for last, even though they're not last alphabetically. That's the Pac-12. It wasn't a great year for the Pac-12. Maybe Oregon can win a game or two in the big dance. Maybe USC can. I don't know. Maybe Colorado can. But as a whole, this conference did not impress this year. Anything that you're looking for when it comes to the Pac-12 tourney? No, I agree with you. This was definitely a down year for them. Um, what I will talk about is, and you said it, it was the first team that you came out of your mouth, and that was Oregon. This is a team we talk about that was peaking at the right time. Oregon, you know, had situations and had interruptions in their schedule all year, as most of the Pac-12 teams had. But right now, they are playing the best ball in the Pac-12. Now, season-wise, it was you know, USC was the most consistent, but right now I like Oregon. I like the way they're playing. I like the coaching staff. I think this is a team that can win the Pac-12 uh, conference tournament, and I think they could make noise uh, first or second round in the big dance. Uh, but going forward, I just don't think the talent level of the Pac-12 measures up to any of the other conferences that we already talked about. Sure. When it comes to the Pac-12 tourney, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the bottom feeders wins a game or two. The Washington States, the Washingtons, the Californias of the world, they're going to be big dogs. And none of those teams checked out over the back part of the campaign. Um, maybe we see one of those teams cover a lofty number or two early on in that tournament. Marco, you've been a great guest. Oh, we have to have, uh, give me 10 seconds in the Mountain West. Because we got to do, we're both in Vegas, we got to talk Mountain West. Anyone you expect uh, to bet on or bet against before I let you promote? I will say this San Diego State is a team playing the best ball right now. But this conference, if you get to the championship game and it is a team that is already locked in versus a team that is not and needs the win, this conference has had a history. Take the dog in the championship game. <laughs> it sure does. Marco, uh, promote, man. What do you got? Tell us what you're doing. Well, you can uh, follow me at uh, wagertalk.com. Obviously, we have a lot of uh, shows that we're involved in. My personal favorite show is Bet On It. We do that for the NFL. But we are coming back. We will have a Bet On It edition for the big dance. So uh, we'll cover all of the rounds. Uh, check that out. We'll be airing those Wednesdays uh, during the big dance. Good stuff from Marco D'Angelo at Marco D'Angelo on Twitter. Appreciate your time, my friend. And we'll talk again another time. Great analysis and discussion from a guy. And again, he was giving me grief because I tried to make him look younger than he was. I said, uh, when I moved to Vegas in the 90s, he was already established. I didn't realize he'd been doing it since 1980. That's not something that I would be bragging about. Cover it continues. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home. 
stretch of Cover It with the Teddy Covers. And I want to thank Marco D'Angelo for joining us, hour number two. I want to thank Jay uh, Lackey for joining us, hour uh, number one. I hope I've been able to give you a pretty good breakdown of what to look for in the NBA after the All-Star break, what to look for in college hoops, conference, tournaments. It's not about picks. This is not a pick show. You know, this is a teach a man to fish show. And that's why I like to bring on the veteran guests who have been doing this for a little while and who've been through many of the growing pains that I'm sure some of you are going through right now. During this time, during conference tournament times, and again, we talk about money management. I want to be real, okay? It's easy to get carried away at this time of year. It's easy to bet more than you can afford to lose. And that's what I love about the legalized, regulated sports books that you find popping up in, what, 23 states now and more coming, is that there's no credit betting. <laughs> you know, if you don't have the cash, uh, you don't get the wager down, and that means you don't dig yourself a hole on weeks like this one. If you're not betting in a legalized, regulated environment, if you're betting on credit, this is one of those weeks where you want to be careful. All right, you want to be real careful. You're betting more when you're seeing things clearly, when you're winning. That's when you up your wager sizes. You bet less, not because you got to pay your man, not because you're going to, it's your double or nothing shot. No, you bet less when you're not seeing things clearly and you're not winning the games that you, you know, oh, this one looks great. Oh, wow, I was so wrong on that. That's, you know, when you're running through those type of stretches, it's not the time to step up. So protect that bankroll this week. And if you're running good, don't be afraid to step it up. I love conference tournament week. And I think many of you do as well. Next week, we're going to talk big dance. It's going to be a heck of a show. You know I'm going to bring in the guests that you want to hear right here on Cover It. Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And that's going to cap it for this week's edition. Between now and next time, enjoy the games and good luck. Thanks for listening to Cover It. 25 miles from-